For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jada Becerra, and we made it to another week. There is a lot going on in the world right now, to say the least. But I'm sending you good vibes, and I hope that we can continue to be a positive outlet through it all, because that's the goal. So first, some quick reminders for the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Believe in Softball is also on YouTube, so subscribe there as well. Now let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll cover our bases, give you some news and call-outs from around the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Danielle O'Toole, one of the few people that we've had on the show more than once. It's been a long time. She was back in the eighth episode of the show ever in the thick of COVID quarantine in 2020. And so fast forward to now, there's so much to catch up on, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. And this is part one, so stay tuned next week for part two. Then, as usual, we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, tips to help us keep going and get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon finals, Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. And even though it feels like it just started, it also just ended. And I am talking about AUX, Athletes Unlimited. For those on the video, you can see I'm repping it with my shirt today because it deserves it. What a time that we saw in just a couple of weeks. And the results. So there was a first place, second place, third place, and defensive MVP. So first place, first ever AUX champion was none other than our guest today, Danielle O'Toole. So just a reminder, she was the 2017 Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, and she had a 1.69 ERA with 18 strikeouts in 28 and two-thirds innings in AUX, which remember, this is a very condensed amount of time that she was able to put up those numbers. And she also tied for the lead in the league for wins with four. Rachel Garcia got second place. And it's like, I'm giving you guys these reminders. I don't know if we need them, but just to show the caliber that these players are. Two-time National Player of the Year, Honda Cup winner as well. She finished second, nine hits, three home runs, nine RBIs. And she had on the pitching side, 25 strikeouts, in 27 innings and had a couple of wins under her belt as well. Deja Malipola, third place, two-time NFCA catcher of the year during her time. She finished third. She hit 325 with two home runs, eight RBIs, and six walks. So that's how it ended in terms of the leaderboard, in terms of points. So you had Arizona representation for first and third place, 
near UCLA there in second place. Sis Bates, not a surprise here whatsoever. Geico defensive MVP. She is a three-time Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So just continuing that trend here in the pros. And she had 21 putouts, a 952 fielding percentage, but she had just multiple highlight plays. She's a human highlight reel. We all know this. And it was so fun to watch her play and to do it after college, right? Like it was so fun to watch her in college and we still get to see her play, which is awesome. Something that needs to be called out as well. Pac-12 alums swept these awards. Swept the awards. 14 former Pac-12 players actually competed in AUX. That is the most from any conference. And I think because it was on the West Coast in San Diego as well, it was even more special because you had that West Coast location and then that West Coast representation at the end of the day in the closest probably lineup that Athletes Unlimited has ever had, at least for softball. But within this, there were so many moments to, again, just a couple of weeks, but we still managed to have so many things happen. Even at the end, you know, extra innings just down to the wire in terms of the points leaderboard. I don't think anybody could have confidently truly called, even on the last day, like who's going to be the champion. But you have to call out something like Courtney Gaynor's walk-off grand slam at the end. I mean, that is what dreams are made of. And it wasn't even her first home run of the game. Then you look at people like Georgina Korik, too. I talked about how the rookies made a bit of an impact. She was the first pitcher in AUX softball history to get double-digit strikeouts while picking up multiple wins in one day in the circle, by the way. And she actually broke another record later, throwing nine and a third innings with 162 pitches. That pitch count, also a record. And then you look at Rachel Garcia as well. So yes, she basically took a year off since the Olympics, really playing pro for the first time. But what I liked about her is just this sort of resilience and adjustments being made. So in series one, you look, she gave up eight earned runs in the circle, seven hits, four walks, and just two and two thirds innings. Fast forward to the last series, six and two thirds innings with six strikeouts, only allowing three hits and a couple walks. And then in the hitting side of the house, second game, she went yard twice with three RBIs. So to me, I think this is a great example of why every inning and every pitch matters. So this was just a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a teaser, kind of an appetizer, if you will, for the championship season, the full season that will be in Rosemont starting July 29th. So I cannot wait for us to see this. If this is how AUX went, I can't wait to see how the full season is going to be. Then on the international side, Canada Cup, you know, it was crazy because there were some people playing AUX that normally would have been in that tournament. Victoria Hayward, for example, is like her first Canada Cup she missed in years in terms of playing. But at the end of it, Team USA won the championship. Cool story, though, because, yes, they had multiple run rules throughout that tournament and throughout the competition, but they actually lost to TC Colorado twice before they ultimately beat them in the championship game. They started in the loser's bracket on the last day. It is the last day of the Canada Cup. They're in the loser's bracket. How do they respond to that? They run rolled the Netherlands. And they had home runs from Charlize Palacios and Taylor Pleasance, as well as a no-hitter from Jalen Ford. So that's a statement right there. Then, championship game, they get their redemption against TC Colorado, and they win 5-1. to And I think it made sense, too, just after seeing the performances. The top pitcher award was given to Allie Carta, and she just stepped up, and she dealt through the complete game, five strikeouts, four hits. I have to say, I was very impressed by her stepping up in the circle in the Tokyo Olympics. And then a year later, you know, she's coming off playing pro in Japan and does a great job. 
And then you look at just the overall MVP, Savannah Jaquish, and she was just on fire offensively, two for three, a couple of RBIs, and she was behind the plate as well, caught a runner stealing, just good play, good quality play. And she was so fun to watch in AU, especially in 2020 when we didn't have a whole lot of softball we got to watch. She was incredible, and, you know, she didn't make the Olympic team, but back with USA now doing great things. Overall, the team is really on the younger side. It is a very, very different roster from Tokyo. But I think there is a theme here of resilience with both the team and some of these individual players. Probably a good reminder in the U.S. right now that we can be resilient. And then on the college side of things, just to recap, it's like, wasn't that long ago that the college season ended and we're still finding out kind of more information about the season. So viewership in terms of comparisons as well between the Women's College World Series and the Men's College World Series have recently come out. So the women outdrew the men in terms of that final championship game. Women's was 1.74 million people tuned in. For the men, it was 1.54 million. So basically, Oklahoma's title-clinching win against Texas was the most watched college softball or baseball game of 2022. Just keep that in mind. Like we keep talking about what a great product this is, like how much investment, how much people like it. Here are the facts, right? Like these are the types of things that we can reference when we're making these statements. And then there's frankly, a lot of shakeups. There were a lot of shakeups just throughout the season in terms of the way things went down, the way people played, et cetera. Too many to count now in the off season in terms of transfers and coaches moving and just things that are being announced. So some examples, there are actually some in-conference transfers that I think, you know, kind of hits a little bit different because it's like, here are people that you played against. Now you might go play with them and then play against your former teammates. It's a little bit different vibe. A couple of examples, Brooke Yanez, Oregon All-American. She was really the backbone of the team, hurt this past year. Now she's coming back to play. She's going to UCLA. That's wild. Think about her and Megan Framo. My goodness. Then you look at Alabama. We know that there have been several people who entered the transfer portal there, Dallas Goodnight and Megan Bloodworth, going to Georgia and Oklahoma State, respectively. So while Oklahoma State is a Big 12 team for Georgia, you know, for Goodnight, hey, she's going to be playing against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And then you have things like some divisional movement as well, which we don't always see, but I think it's important to point out because a lot of conversation happening around – you know, not thinking this D1 or bust mentality for recruits. What about the current players who are looking to make a move? So Shaylin O'Leary from Texas, actually going from D1 to D2 to Patriots softball. Now I could probably devote an entire episode or several episodes to just talking about transfers and these different movements that we're seeing. We can't possibly cover it all, but just to give you a taste, there it is. And then the coaching movement as well. Trisha Ford, ASU's former head coach, exiting and moving to AM. That was sort of the first big domino in the coaching carousel. Since then, ASU's already backfilled her, the Texas assistant, Megan Bartlett, come in ASU. So almost this like Arizona, Texas. These states are just kind of swapping coaches here. Hey, whatever works. Multiple assistant coach announcements as well. So like a new hitting coach at Oklahoma State, for example. But in the midst of all this craziness, there is some stability. We've heard about a couple of contract extensions. Another one is Cindy Balmalone at UCF. She will be there through 2027. In addition to the people 
changes or updates. Also, in terms of games, the ACC and Big Ten Challenge is going to be back in 2023. They released the matchups. So that's some exciting things that we have to look forward to as well. I would say a great resource for this is I recommend following Extra Inning Softball. They have a transfer tracker on top of all the staffing and the important announcements that come out from the softball world across divisions all over the country. So highly recommend that. But one big announcement is the champ is here. Also someone who has played and succeeded on all of these levels that we've talked about is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a recently crowned and first ever AUX champion for Athletes Unlimited, Tokyo Olympian with Team Mexico, All-American at Arizona, and movie star Danielle O'Toole. Tuli, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Episode 93. You've done 93 of these? Is that not crazy? By the way, I think you, the first time we had you on the show, I think you were like number nine. Yeah. And like, I know. That, that's, that's crazy. It's so wild. I mean, it was a whole other life. It almost feels like it was like peak quarantine, pre-Olympics, like in the middle of 2020. I Luckily, I think a lot of things have changed <laughs> since then yeah. that we get to catch up on. Definitely. <laughs> But I, I appreciate you coming back on. And I guess like with that being said, because so much has changed, how are you doing? Like, let's just start there. I'm good. Um, got home yesterday from our AUX series and I have not even unpacked yet. I just like tried to enjoy. I actually fell asleep in the pool yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, hopefully I'm not burnt. But um, yeah, I, I'm having a, having a good day so far. I feel like you deserve that. I feel like falling asleep at the pool is pretty awesome. Speaking of which, I felt like you guys were almost at a pool, like during the chair chats that you had at AUX. Like it was like you guys were under that umbrella and you had like the hats and you were sipping on like Powerade. I was like swapping a margarita and it's like vacation. Perfectly. Um, our um, Her name's Holly Scott and she is so amazing, but she handled like some of that stuff and she actually set that up. And as soon as she set it up, she was like, is this okay? And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I love this. And I actually wore the hat for a little bit during one game. And then it was confiscated from me. I I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like I think they just wanted it back on the chair. Oh, well, okay, fine. But still, no, I look great in that hat. <laughs> you did. And also, it was like a homecoming for like you and like Sachelle. Yeah. It's like, it was. I feel like you you deserve to have the hat. But, it, it was okay. it was really great to be over there. It was it was really great. It was really nice to see it on the West Coast too, just in general. But then to have like I don't know, seeing the families, like your family, your mom, you got to talk about her as well. Like that was such a cool part. I think about AUX compared to like regular AU in Chicago. It just seemed like so many of you are from SoCal. So it was like awesome to see all the exactly. fans out there. I had never met a lot. So like we've been playing with these with, I've been playing with these other women for, I don't know how many years. Um, and, you know, in college you meet other people's families, you know, every now and then, hi, so-and-so, how are you? And then it's kind of it. And then here in pro, you don't really see anybody's family unless they actually come out. And when we're in the, like when we're in Chicago, it's hard for a lot of people to get over there unless you're from there. So like, um, it was, this was the first time I'd actually met some of my teammates' families and like their significant others. And, you know, it's just, it, it was uh, like, for example, Courtney Gaina's dad 
um, I don't know if people probably don't know this, but Courtney and I grew up together. Um, I think I met her when I was probably 12, 13 years old. So I've known Courtney for a long time. We used to live down the same street. Her dad was my brother's high school coach, football coach. Oh, awesome. So I've known, I call him coach, but um, Mr. Gano for quite some time. And I had not seen him at a game um, in a really long time. And he was there for almost every game um, after AUX. And I thought like, th- that's what it, that's why it's cool that we had it in San Diego. Like all of Sachelle's family came, I got to meet one of her grandparents that I had never met before. Mm-hmm. Like it's stuff like that. And it was really special for me to be there. That's so cool. Yeah. Because it's like they become your sort of like your teammates become and opponents, I guess, because it's they're, both they're in family. AU. But yeah, they're yeah. your family. And so it's like the, their family is your family too, you know? Exactly. And I think that's awesome. Exactly. Yep. That's really, really cool. Sure. What else was different, would you say, from AUX compared to the um, other championship series you've had? Uh, well, right off the bat, I'm going to say games, amount of games and the amount of days we played. Um, I can tell you right now that, um, first off, we appreciate that AUX happened. Um, we love the AUX, but the format of it, I think all of us after the doubleheader, our bodies were like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Because we haven't played <laughs> doubleheaders in years. Um, some of the, some of the international girls, we've, we've done it, but it's just, uh, at this level to do it. Uh, with four pitchers on a team and just see like, like hoping that everybody's healthy. Like it was, it was really tough. Like I enjoyed AUX. I thought it was super fun, but it was, it was very, it was very hard. The pitching part, especially that was what I wanted to ask you about too, because that seemed tough because it, it always seems tough actually in AU to be honest, just because yeah. it, mean, was, the hitters it was are a amazing, little different. Um, it was a little different because you had to play every team twice. Yeah. And in AU, you only see them once a weekend. So I had to throw to Sam Fisher and Nadia Taylor and like Sierra Romero. And like I had to throw to them not only three times a game, but I had to do it again a day or two days later. Like, right. That was, I was just like, man, I got to figure out, I have to figure out, as a pitcher, you have to figure out a way to, like reinvent yourself sort of and like come up with a new way to have that at bat because if you don't your pattern stays the same and you're gonna get hit right I remember you telling me with team Mexico too you had like an entire notebook yeah of like all this information do you do something similar with AU and AUX um I do because the only I do have a notebook but it's not as detailed as it used to be like after Olympics I just like completely chilled out and I did this this season. I'm looking at more as like sort of for fun and like have a, have time with my friends. So I do keep a notebook. It is not as detailed. I don't have like everything in there. It's pretty much like this. This is the lineup. This is what they did off of me. If I remember the sequence, I put it in there. If I remember the last pitch, I put it in there. If I remember why I it was or was not a good decision, I put it in there. But outside of that, there's really nothing much going on in there. Yeah, but I think that's still helpful. And even for like young ones listening to this, it's like, yeah, there's like homework to do. You yeah, know, it's not absolutely. just games. And if I don't remember and I really need to remember, I'll go back. So like, for example, um, in the first, very first uh, series of games, I gave up a home run to Taylor Edwards. I mean, ended up losing. 
I went back and I had to watch what, like how that happened. Um, you know, cause I was thinking, well, it could have been more in or it could be more down or like, where was it? So you have to kind of make sure that you are honest with yourself and knowing that like, okay, that was not a good pitch or I could have, I could have thrown something else. It's just like, it's accountability and honesty for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if we realize this, like, when we're younger too, but the, the older you get and like, as you ascend into higher and higher levels, like you have, it's like, you could have great movement on a pitch, but if it was like right over the plate, these are the best hitters, you know? So it's like really hard. You have to be so precise. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but I, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Just missing by, I don't know. I, I was telling, I think it was Amanda Lorenz. I was getting hit a, a little bit towards the end there. And I was missing by like a quarter of a ball. So like you're missing by a quarter of a ball and you're getting hit. Like if that, if that pitch is, is where it needs to be, it doesn't get hit like that. But because these hitters are so freaking good <laughs> that you miss by a quarter of a ball and you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, turned out to be an amazing AUX for you, even though it, yeah, it looked like a grind. I won't, I will be honest. And I loved watching it and you said you love playing it, but it did look like a grind, but it seemed like absolutely you, right. you dialed in though. And well, I don't even know if dialed in is the right thing. You just said it. Like you were like, I'm going to have fun. That seems like almost like maybe that's what led to some of the success that you had. Um, I think the success was because I was feeling a lot different mentally than I had in the past. And um, Sachelle, who caught me for two out of the three series, um, it was, yeah, it was two out of the three series. Um, she said, like, you pitched like Thule, not like Danielle. And like, there's, for me, there's like two different people who could show up on the mound. And I tried really, really hard to make sure that I showed up. Yeah. I love that actually. Mm -hmm. Thule versus Danielle. I mean, leave it to Sachelle to come up with the gems, right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I feel like that's just her brand, you know? Oh, yeah. It's very <laughs> on brand for her. Did it help, even though it was tough, obviously, playing back-to-back -back games and all that stuff, did it help to have a little more consistency with who was catching you? Sachelle, you know very well, but just in general. Um, yes and no. I think um, at this point, I think maybe the first year of AU was tough because you hadn't thrown to, I hadn't thrown to like 75% of the catchers. I think if I do, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember, but um, I don't know at this point, it's more along the lines of like, yeah, I can throw to whoever it's, I mean, I, I would prefer this person and this person um, because it's just a comp like a comfort level. Um, but I could throw to anybody because it's pretty much they're throwing down signs because they're calling a game and then I have to decide, is that something I want to do? And if not, then I shake and I go to what I want. So, yeah. um, I think everybody is old enough and mature enough to work together to be able to do that. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you consider it the catcher calling the game or the pitcher calling the game? Um, I think I call the game. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird though, because like, they're the ones who, who put it down. Like they have to sit there and think, okay, this is what she would want. This would be a good option here. So I would say both, but at the end of the day, I am responsible for the pitch. I'm responsible right. for what happens good or bad. Um, 
And I don't think catchers get enough credit. You know, you, you think like, oh, the pitcher threw a no-hitter, pitcher did this, pitcher did that. And it's like the catcher was there for every pitch too. So they're just as important. It's just um, I feel like it's I feel like it's my game because I'm the one that's responsible for throwing the pitch, executing the pitch. I definitely think that there are catchers who elevate my game um, for sure. So I would not be able to do any of it without them, but I definitely think that if I'm the one that's going to say yes, then I have to buy into that. Right. Cause you are choosing to either go with it or make a change. Yes. That's a good point. I had a coach, it's Trisha Ford, mm-hmm. ASU coach. You are aware of her. <laughs> um, but she used, that's what she used to say. Like she was like, the catchers are suggesting the pitchers are the ones who are in control at the end of the day, you know, for every single pitch. But I think yeah. you both, I think it's cool because pitchers and catchers have different angles on what they see with the hitters. Exactly. Yeah. So then, yeah, you yeah, have like more than one perspective. Honestly, Sashelle and I have such a, we have a very weird bond. Um, I, I joked a lot over this, the AUX season that like we kind of share a brain so you can actually go back and look at it because the view of the um, from the camera angle was so good. Um, you can actually see her shaking her head and like thinking about a number or going to put down a number. Like her fingers look like this, and my head's already like no. Like <laughs> I know what she's gonna put down right now, and that's not it. Or she shakes her head, putting a number down because she's just putting it down, hoping that I shake it off. Or if I shake off a number and she really thinks that that's what she wants, she'll put it down again on the other side. And I usually the other side just means like I like shake, I flip my glove like that. And then that means the other side. But when I shake it and she goes to the same number, that means that she's got an idea that I haven't thought about yet. So we definitely have like a, I don't know, it's almost like I read her mind and, and we're just going back and forth without saying any words that's like battery goals, though. Mm-hmm. The trust. Yeah, it's a lot of trust. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And speaking of trust, I remember you talking about how you talk shop a little bit with your mom because she was a pitcher too, an All American, right? Like, I think that type of stuff is so cool because it's different generations of softball, but yeah. some of the stuff is it's the same, right? And you can talk mm-hmm. through it together. Yeah, exactly. Um, depends on what it is. I think. Uh, the game has definitely changed. So, uh, you know, but mechanically I have not changed. So when we talk shop, it's usually about me, not about like anything else. Well, that makes but, sense. Cause she knows you well yeah. as a person and player. Right. So that's, yeah, yeah that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have, and I say this because I did with my dad, we talk about it openly now and joke about it, but did you ever have like tension with, your mom because you're both super competitive obviously and very invested in softball. Absolutely. Um, I think that right around the time, and I tell my lessons this all the time because parents really struggle with their um, athletes all kind of around the same age. It all happens around the same age, especially with females. Um, I don't know what it is. And I've actually read a couple studies about it just because like, it's such, it's not a phenomenon to me. It happens all the time for, but for these parents, it's a first time thing. Um, right around the like age where, um, like prepubescent starts, like right around before they turn teenagers, like a tween. And then they right around that teenage age, um, girls stop 
they kind of like, I don't want to say stop listening to their mom, but that relationship gets harder. Mm. Um, and I did that with my mom. I, you know, my mom's an all American pitcher and I thought that she had nothing to give me, which is silly. It's just yeah. silly. My parents had to take me to a pitching instructor instructor who's telling me the exact same stuff my mom was, but I just wouldn't listen to her. It happens right. all the time with so many parents, so many kids. I tell all the parents, I was like, this age is tough. Um, you know, they don't want to listen to you. So I understand what you're going through. Um, and that does change. It does change for some kids. It, it never happens. But for, I would say that for at least 60, 70% of them, it does. Um, it does change like right as you get to the end of high school. Cause I think my mom and I started getting really close um, when I graduated from high school and when I moved into college. So I think like, just like that teenage years of like, I don't know what it is, but I have to go back and read the study because they actually have a word for it. It's just a lot of like headbutting. So yes, there was a lot of that. That's, I feel like whether it's softball, any other sport or not even athletes, right? Like that mother, daughter, Mm -hmm. and just parent child relationship in the teenage years is never easy. I've literally never seen a family where it's like just easy, no issues, smooth sailing. (laughs) Like it's just life. It does happen a lot. Um, I really wish I could, I wish I could pull up the study and, and explain a little bit more about it, but yeah, it is very common. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe if you find it, send it to me later because I love anything psychology related. Um, Mm -hmm. So that sounds super interesting. Yeah, for sure. But I think it was cool to see like your mom on TV also Mm -hmm. because it was like we heard from you and you talked about her and just your experience, everything that was going on. And then we got to hear from her too. And that's one of the coolest parts about AU. But I thought AUX was especially cool having the family and like that as well. Um, And she seems really proud of you. So that was really sweet. Yeah, both my parents are very, very proud of me, which um, I don't know. It's not so much about what I've accomplished. It's like how I've how I've done it, I think, for both of them. I think they both I think saw that's me really struggle. important. Yeah, they both saw me struggle hard um, and come out the other side better. And I think that that's what they're proud of. Not that I could have come in dead last and they'd still be proud of me because I'd I worked really hard to get there. Yeah. You know, this kind of reminds me of, I saw a meme. I mean, when we think memes, we think of like funny stuff. This was less funny Mm -hmm. and more inspirational, (laughs) but it Mm -hmm. was like showing somebody climbing a mountain and getting to the top. And then next to it, it was somebody who like had survived going down a valley and got to the other side. They weren't like any higher than they had started, but they got through it. And they were like, this deserves just as much praise as the other one. You know, yeah. and I, that's what that just reminded me of. Yep. That's, that's pretty much it for sure. And you've been really open about your mental health, which I think is really good and not easy to do. So like, thank you, first of all, for doing that, because I think it's important for, it doesn't even matter your age, like young ones listening or watching you, but it doesn't matter. You could be much, much older in life and it's just a good lesson to learn. And I know you've talked a lot about like post-Olympics and I feel like seeing you thrive now too is I'm just really happy for you thank you um I decided like going they call it post-olympic depression um and like I've heard about it from so my sports psych she actually works with team usa um 
like a lot of their like sports. So I, um, I don't know. She was just, she was really incredible. So when I told her what I was feeling, she was like, this is what it's called. It happens to pretty much all of you. Um, like even the, even people who meddle and like come in, you know, they come home with a gold. It's like, they go through all of that too. So as soon as she started explaining it to me and like basically telling me how I felt without her, like without me having to tell her, it was, it was kind of like, okay, I know I'm not alone. And me feeling that way, me feeling like somebody else did it, has done it or has been through it first. It made me like, okay, I have to say something. Yeah. I have to say something because I'm the only person who's talking to her. All of my teammates were not talking to her. All of the other players, like all of the other Olympians were not talking to her. Like all of these kids who are watching me right now have no idea that this is happening. Like it's, I just like all of a sudden I just was woke up and I was like, I have to say something. And when I did the amount of responses I got with, yeah, me too. Unbelievable. And just to kind of be able to help people get through it and, um, I don't know, just, I, I don't, I, I guess I wasn't looking for like that role model, you know, title or like, not that, like, um, just not the, not the figurehead for it. I wasn't looking to be any of that. I just wanted to make sure that people understood that I might be this person who's in a movie screen, who's on the movie screen, who looks really happy. And, and it just, the way that, the way that we are in society today, like with social media and stuff like that, like there's one look on life and there's like so much more that's behind it. And I was going through some really, really hard stuff, like stuff that I, I can't talk about, but what I can talk about is what I did to get through that. Mm. And I'm so happy that I worked hard to do that because I was in a really, it just felt, it just felt like dark and just like very lonely and just like, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it was just, it was just depression. It's just, and everybody has been through it and, um, or at least some form of it. They just don't realize it and waking up one morning and the sun's out and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Like I'm okay today. And like, as soon as it clicks, it's just every other day after that is just a lot easier. And when I went into the AU season and I decided like, I feel healthier, like I'm better, I'm happier. I didn't care what happened softball wise. I keep saying like, I don't, I don't care about the leaderboard. The leaderboard is part of our game now. It's part of the league. So I kind of have to at least care about it, but I don't care where I end up on it. What I care about is the experience that I have this summer the experience that I have with my friends and like where I am mentally, because I did not want to leave the game last year, the way that I felt. That's not fair. That's not fair to the game at all to leave it, to leave it feeling that way and to have sort of a, um, I don't know, just like just bad feeling in your stomach about the game that you've been playing for, I think almost 24 years. I've been pitching for 20 of them. It's just not fair. So I did what I needed to do. I think something about this that you just hit on that is so important is the separating yourself from your performance. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because that's hard. Um, there's been just that, that self-worth piece coming from what you've been doing. 
I, it's like it, it happens not even only in sports, but like in like a regular job, like a just a just a non-professional sport, just like non-athletic job. Like you people rate you on how you do. Yeah. It's like whatever happens to you does not equal who you are as a person. Yeah. And, like, and it's it's all across. It's every single person. It has nothing to do with athletics. I just talk about athletics because I'm in it. Yeah. Like that self-worth piece, it took me so long to just, and I did, I worked not only with that sports psych, but I worked with a regular, like a, like a emotional trauma therapist. Mm -hmm. And she helped me through that too. She was like, this is not you. Like coming in almost dead last last summer is, does not make you a dead last person. Mm. And that yeah. just, I just, it finally clicked. Like, like my family doesn't care. My husband always told me right after every game, and we've been together for, I, I don't even know how long anymore. He used to, he used to tell me, it's okay. I don't care that you lost. I don't care that this happened to you. It doesn't matter to me. I love you the same as I did before and after the game. I love you the same as I did yesterday. And I love you the same as I'm going to be tomorrow. Like that, just that, that part of it, it just never it never clicked for me until like, I think last year, like right after the AU season. And isn't that crazy? Just like you said, how long you've been playing this game and it, and it took you, it was a journey to get there. Yeah. yeah. I just think it, it has not been talked about it. Like it had never, it was something that was never really talked about. It was more along the lines of, um, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like you hit a three run home run and everyone's happy with you versus like you don't, you strike out and you lose the game. And then the car ride home looks like what? Like it wasn't, it wasn't my parents or anything like that. Like my parents were always very supportive. They were always just very, my, both my parents are very competitive people. So they want that for me. They want that three run home run for me. They want that strikeout for me. So when I don't get it, it's a bummer to them as well, but they, I don't know. They, I just, I just, I had never realized it that they would always love me no matter what. And that's something that I wish I had known a long time ago. Yeah. And I feel like people in our lives will tell us that, like you said, your husband has kind of said that for a long time. Right. But it's one thing for us to hear. It's another thing for us to like actually absorb it and believe it. Absolutely. And you finally believe it, you yep. know? Yep. I just think that's so important because you're right. The The part of this that is hard is when you think, oh, it's just me. Like I saw you post that recently or not too long ago on social media too, where you're like, I thought I was just like the weak one, or I thought that I was like the outlier. And it's like the second you open up and then all these people are like, oh no, I feel the same way. It's like those people feel better. You feel better because you're like, wow, this is, it's not me. This is like life. And we just can all work through this in our own ways, you know? And I think that's so important. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, humans rely on like, uh, I don't want to say other humans, but it, we just, we thrive, uh, with like the rest of society, just kind of like, I don't know, it's just like being by yourself and like shoving those feelings down and shoving the thoughts down by yourself and trying to work through it by yourself just doesn't work. Yeah. I think that it could possibly work for some people, but I don't know how they're doing it because I tried and it felt impossible. 
And I don't know, even if it works, it doesn't mean it's like healthy. Like it might work in terms of surviving day to day, but like, it doesn't mean that you're, you want to thrive, not survive. Ideally. That's the part. That's the part. I was last year pre, so like, I would say starting in 2019, I was surviving. Mm. Like 2019, I had been going through stuff for two years and just, just surviving, just dealing with it. Try, just waking up every day, just trying to do one more day. And it's like for two years I did that. And it's just like, why? Why did I do that? Like what, like, what was the reason? It's because like I had no other choice but to survive because if I didn't, I, I don't know how, I don't know how any of it would have happened. So I'm glad that I'm glad that I found help because finding somebody else to help you through that is really important. I'm so glad you brought up not only your sports psych, which I think is fantastic. I love that that is more and more of a thing in Mm. not just softball, but in general. But the therapist part, I'm with you. I've been to therapy. I will say it. I think everyone should go to therapy at some point. I do love therapy. I feel it's bad because like I cry for however long the session is. Like she gets sick or whoever it is, they get that crying part out of you. And then I feel really bad the rest of the day. Like I feel like sad and like going just like for the rest of the day and then I wake up tomorrow or the next day and I'm like I'm okay like everything's okay like you just kind of have to you have to it's just the way that kind of therapy works but man that the sports psych really helped me um control what I can control throughout myself and learn how to protect myself on the field Mm. I think that part like protecting myself on the field we were going through some some really big stuff as a team. We were going through some big stuff and like, I could not protect myself anymore. So like, how do I protect myself on the field? Because that's a place where like, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be free. I'm supposed to love what I'm doing. And I hated it. The only reason I got through what I went through is because of her and my teammates. Yeah. Like my people around me, like all of us going through a lot of that stuff. And like, I'm already an emotional person. So it hit me a lot harder than it might've hit some of my other teammates, but just kind of learning how to deal with it, like learning how to cope. is huge. Yes. There's also this element. And I say this from personal experience. I've always been super anxious. For example, like my anxiety, I didn't realize until later in life that it was anxiety but once that clicked or it's like what you said earlier, it's like kind of like once you understand, like you can name it or there's like a label for it, you're like, oh, so you can like separate yourself from it a little bit. But that cycle too, if you have like anxiety, which is easy to do, especially when there's something huge going on, like the Olympics, but you're also dealing with a depression that is super hard. Like I would never wish that on anybody because it's, you're so anxious. It's like you're you're depressed, so you're struggling to do anything. But then you have anxiety about the fact that you're not doing anything. But then you can't do anything because mm-hmm. it's just like around and around it's and around. It's just a constant loop. Yeah. yeah, and I think you made a good point. Like your teammates, your sports psych, your therapist, were helped you break that loop as yep, much as you could. Sure. Anyway, definitely. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I appreciate you being so open about it because yeah. I mean. I, it's a lot easier said than done too. Like we, I think now we're all like, well, yeah, it's like, we need to talk about mental health, but some people, a lot of people just stop there. We need to talk about it. And then we don't actually talk about it, <laughs> you know, yeah. like in it's, depth, truly. It's a, it's a buzz. It's a uh, coach Kendra used to during practice, he would say like a, a 
bumper sticker or like a buzzword. <laughs> um, we would he, we would be going through some stuff and he would say, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear a bumper sticker. I don't want to hear a buzzword. Give it to me, you know, like yeah. say something real. And I think that that's kind of what this is right now. Like we hashtag a lot of things and we, um, you know, we, you know, just social media, we put one word out there and then like everybody does this about it, but it's like, okay, what are we actually doing about it? Right. Like what, like what, like the mental health is not a buzzword. It's not a bumper sticker. It's real life for a lot of people. Yeah. And like, so I just was not, I was not about to be one of those people. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you weren't and that you aren't because I think it's helping a lot of people, honestly. But then when you talk about, yeah, when you talk about Coach Kendrea too, I know last time you're on the show and just in general, obviously you're like, I love that man. (laughs) Like he, he gave you every opportunity. I know that you're very like vocal about that. And I love seeing you and all the alum in Oklahoma City too this year and him, right? Like cheering on. Cats. That was really cool to see. I loved like the ride or die uh, presence you guys had. Yeah, I think the Oklahoma was really was really really cool. I didn't get a chance to go as an athlete, um, which I'm fine with. It's like obviously like a bummer because our team like was definitely one of the ones that should have gone. But I think um, yeah, being in Oklahoma City, just kind of seeing everybody, and I mean, Sashelle and her family were there, so um, I don't know. Just getting to see everybody again and just kind of wearing like. Wearing the Arizona gear, it just just never gets old. It's a great feeling. <laughs> well, and I have to say, Sachelle is like, she. I mean, she's a ride or die person. We all know this. But her having been like this ASU alum, right? And she like loves her Sun Devils, but to be so supportive of her sister and just like blend right in with you guys, like mm-hmm. it takes a big person to do that. <laughs> I think that's how um, her family they've her parents have raised them i think that being um it's also a mexican culture um family is super super important in mexican culture and i think that regardless of whatever happens or whatever you choose to do as a like in your life i think that just being a supportive person and just like like you have your people and you stand by your people no matter what and i think that that's the kind of person that she is like uh this morning she's so annoying she sent me um, a couple days ago, she wanted to buy these shorts and then she was like, do you like these? I was like, absolutely not. Like, don't buy those. <laughs> They're not cute. Don't buy them. And then, um, I saw somebody wearing them just like a random person. I was like, and I screenshotted it to her and I was like, this is why you don't, you don't want to do that. Do not buy. And she goes, thank you for keeping me accountable. Like I needed that. And I was like, yeah, I'm just wanting to make sure that when we are not together, you are not buying those shorts. So, like, the relationship I have with her is 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 awesome. That's amazing. I love that. Because it's teammates are everything, right? They're, like, our stylists. They're our, like, therapists sometimes. They're, like, they're everything. I love that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even call her a teammate anymore. I think, like, her and, like, a couple other people are, I would consider them, like, sisters. Yeah. That was so clear, by the way, with just Team Mexico in general. Like every single one of you that I've talked to, it's the same thing. It's like, we're the witches, like it's us over everything, you know? And like you said, it it seems like that's what got you guys through such a challenging time also. And it was just really fun to witness your guys' dynamic. That's for sure what got us through everything is just being with each other. Super cool having Thule back on the show. 
And her birthday is actually next week. So obviously we had so much to talk about that we're going to finish our conversation next week in part two, which will actually be released on her birthday, which is July 7th. So wish her happy birthday when you listen. Give her that birthday present. But first with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about appreciating the journey. I think this is one of the biggest things that stands out from Thule's story. You know, hearing some of the things she shared publicly about mental health, especially around the Olympics, but in general, and talking to her was a big reminder for me about what real success is, or really how we define it. Because when we get through the lows in life, it's worth us being proud of ourselves as much as when we reach a new high. It's easy to feel good when things are good, but an underrated skill is the ability to get through things when they're bad. That is really, really hard, sometimes harder than the other. Some of it's reprioritizing, some of it's knowing that the other side is there, like you can get to that other side. A lot of it is leaning on your people. And I just, I don't know about you, but every now and then I need these reminders. And seeing other people like Tuli and others live it out makes me believe, you know, the old cliche, the journey is more important than the destination. And maybe even that the journey is the destination. Because think about it, when people make acceptance speeches for awards, for example, like the Oscars or whatever, what do they talk about? They usually mention all the challenges that they overcame and the people that helped them do it. That's really it. Because without the trials, would we ever really achieve anything? That's it. Appreciate the journey. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com, and you can watch the videos on YouTube too. Subscribe, rate, and if you liked it, write a review for the show. Appreciate your support always and definitely want to know what you think. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBissera01 and Instagram at JennaBissera as well. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.